Section 82 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Ségur. A Convict's Letter During the terrible days of the June of 1848, a horrible assassination was committed by the insurgents on the person of the courageous and excellent General de Brea, who had been made prisoner by treason. When the civil war was at an end, justice overtook the guilty, and out of a great number who were tried by court-martial, five were condemned to death as being guilty of the murder. In the March of 1849, two were executed, and the sentence of the three others was commuted to hard labor for life. Amongst these last, the most intelligent was a young librarian named André C., only twenty-three years of age. During his captivity, he had deeply repented of the past, but the baneful influences of the prison at Rochefort, to which he was sent after the execution of his two companions, soon had their evil effects, and he was plunged once more into an abyss of evil. In 1852, transferred to Cayenne, where he has since died, he partially escaped the contagion of the polluting atmosphere in which he lived, and was finally recalled, after a bitter experience, to sentiments more worthy of a man and a Christian. He wrote me a letter which was so touching, so full of faith, of resignation, and true piety, that I think the perusal of it can scarcely fail to be serviceable to my readers. This is the letter written from Cayenne in June 1856. Reverend and dear father, by the kindness of the Jesuit fathers, I am enabled to address this letter to you, and am going to write as much as possible on these four large sheets, without any fear that you will think me troublesome. At the prison and penitentiaries, during seven years, that is to say, I have neglected my religious duties, and have lived as those live who have no faith, and who seek, by worldly sophisms and pretended morality, to substitute, for the fulfillment of religious duties, those convenient morals which are indulgent to vice, and find excuses for every baseness. During these seven years I have offended God by a sinful, reckless life, but through His infinite goodness, every sin I have committed has since brought upon me the dark shadow of remorse and shame, and an unquiet conscience has not ceased to warn me that eternal punishment would be the certain consequence of so guilty a life. Blessed be God for His great mercy towards me, for how many others who sin continually as I did do not have these wholesome warnings. Without having solicited it, I suddenly became the object of a favor which by separating me from the miserable herd of convicts deprived me of any excuse for continuing my evil life. God was waiting for that moment. To Him alone be glory. I assure you sincerely, my dear father, that if I have preserved the faith whilst leading such a life, I attribute this miracle of mercy to the protection of the Blessed Virgin, and also to the beautiful letters you have so often written me, in which I read again and again, even at my worst moments. Since the Easter of this year, 
I have had the happiness to approach many times to Holy Communion. Ah, how ardently I have desired to lead a life so pure as to enable me to approach to the divine banquet every day. But alas, I am still a great sinner, and my sins, though less grievous than formerly, are no less numerous. If I were but more submissive to the holy will of God, I should be able to gain some merit in my present position, where crosses, thank God, are not wanting to me. But no, as if I should not thank God for sending me this life of trial by which to expiate my sins. Every time that I approach the holy altar, I do not fail to remember you and to pray to God to bless your efforts and to give fruit to all your labors for the exaltation of his holy church. I never forget to entreat our Lord to watch over his beloved spouse. Morning and evening, I recite a memorare for your intention, and I earnestly hope that our good mother hears me, for I do not ask temporal favors for you, my dear father, but rather that he will always give you courage to defend the truth, as you have done in Les Repenses, in which I fancied that a certain passage referred to me. It is about a man condemned for a horrible crime who is ashamed of being chained up with a thief. This passage in which I believed you were thinking of me troubled me much, but I, alas, my good father, have grieved you in a very different way, and perhaps, after all, I was mistaken. And now permit me, my dear father, to answer a question which may present itself to your mind. Will my conversion be of any advantage to me, humanly speaking? No. The practice of religion by a convict is regarded as an act of hypocrisy. In the midst of all this, the Christian feels a certain pride in serving his divine master, and for my own part, I thank the Lord who has found me worthy, in spite of my unworthiness, to hear his voice and to try and serve him in a place where it is not he who reigns. I thank him especially that this miserable state of things does not permit any temporal favor to be the reward of a Christian life, but rather an occasion for small and malignant persecutions. You asked me, dear father, in your letter dated from Rome, what were the religious supplies of Guyane? The reverend fathers of the Society of Jesus have the charge of the penitentiaries. These good fathers are continually at the pillows of the sick, and I do not think that their detractors would feel disposed to come here to take their place in order to prevent them from ministering to the convicts. But, in case they should have any desire, it is right they should be warned that their ministrations would be required in yellow fever, in malignant and typhoid fever. In this life, God tries his friends more severely than his enemies. The life of the religious of the Society of Jesus at Guyane is a proof of this. They are very numerous, and quite lately, in one fortnight, two have died, the Reverend Father Plumpf, superior, and the Reverend Father Dabadie, whom perhaps you knew, as he came from Paris. They have lost seven or eight fathers, I believe, since they arrived at Guyane. The colonial clergy consists of secular priests and of the religious of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and of Mary. These are directed by an apostolical prefect. The sons of the good and holy Tiberman are very excellent religious, from whom I have received much kindness. They have a good library where I get as many books as possible. Their charity and zeal for the unfortunate Negroes are not always crowned with success, for the white men are there also and then the blacks are like great children. 
Nevertheless, God has there, as everywhere, his elect. There are amongst these young people chosen souls whose simple, earnest faith fills the hearts of Christians with joy. In our prayer books, there is often written, The seal of the Christian, the sign of the Christian, the symbol of the Christian. I assure you, my dear father, that these expressions are far from being metaphors. All these poor blacks are ugly enough to frighten anyone, but in spite of their ugliness, it is easy to distinguish those who are good Christians from those who are not. The expression of the former is kind and gentle, and when they go to communion, they are in a manner transfigured. Then, I assure you, they are, in my eyes, quite beautiful. As a rule, the black man is as yet no philosopher. He practices his religion, or he does not practice it, but he has faith. And if it were not for the white men, they would all practice it. In the life of the good Father Tiberman by Don Pietra, I have remarked the engraving which represents the just man after death, and at the bottom I read, G. de S. Prêtre. This engraving did me great good, and I believe that if I had not been converted, it would have helped to make me detest my sins. Before concluding, I have two favors to ask of you, dear father. The first is, that I should like to possess a medal of the Immaculate Conception, a crucifix, and a rosary blessed by His Holiness. The second favor I would ask from your charity, dear Father, is to pray for me a little after my death. I have arranged that you shall be informed of it. I shall have no one to render me this service, and yet, remembering my numerous sins, I may well say with Bayard, a thousand years of fasting in the desert on bread and water would not expiate them. If I make this request of you, Monseigneur and dear Father, it is because I shall not always live to see others die, but that my turn will also come. As regards death, I am not afraid, not indeed that I trust in my own merits, but in the great mercy of God. If you would kindly send the little things for which I have asked you to the Reverend Fathers of the Society of Jesus at Paris, they will find means to send them on to Guyane. I do not ask for an answer to this. You know, dear father, how happy it will make me when you shall think fit to write me a few words. Here I must conclude, for I see that I have already written far too much, but it is so long since I have had any talk with you that I wished to make up for lost time. I am, dear father, with profound respect, your very humble and respectful son in our Lord Jesus Christ. André C. End of section 82. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C. Toulouse, France.